Welcome to Las Vegas, Nevada, and day three of our coverage of the NAB's show, the National Association of Broadcasters show. Leo Laporte here on the show floor, and well, it's getting a little quieter as it always does at these big trade shows. About 90,000 people, they say, were here uh, looking at gear really intended for professional broadcasters. We're here. Uh, both at the invitation of the National Association of Broadcasters, who asked us to be their official streaming partner, but also because we thought there'd be some very cool stuff. And in fact, uh, in just a bit, we're going to uh, talk with LG. Uh, Scott Wilkinson is here. But I wanted to get Alex Lindsay on briefly, and then we'll come back and talk more about it, because there was a huge news story last night, and, and we thought there would be, from the final cut uh, uh, Super Supermeat, Super and uh, Apple had asked... That they they preempted all the other uh, speakers and said, "Can we have this super meet to make a big announcement?" We thought it might be Final Cut. Is it? It was Final Cut. And, and just now, we're going to give you two minutes to say this. So Final and Cut. And then we'll come back and we'll do a whole thing on it. So what did they say? Uh, completely rewritten from the ground up. It is Six, completely. Sixty-four bit. So it's going to use okay. all the RAM, all the CPU power that you that whatever computer you have. It's okay. going to scale up and down with your uh, with your ap applications. Really, what they worked on was workflow. How do we make it easier and faster to, to do your edits? How do, how do we allow you to be more, more creative? How do we allow you to put all those pieces together uh, faster and easier? Uh, you know, and so it's, it's a complete, I mean, it, it, it looks completely different. If it looks, the, a lot of the things that we've Does seen. Does it look in, like iMovie? A lot of the things that we've seen in iMovie, the, yeah. the, the paradigms that we're using, the, the, you know, that, that have been very different, are definitely, you see them there, but then it's like on steroids. I mean, so it's like then we have all this other control and all these other pieces that you can do that you couldn't necessarily do in iMovie. So what's, what's interesting is now it's totally unified. So if you learned iMovie and you went to Final Cut, you're going to be unhappy. Or no, no, you're, you're going to be happy that now direction. It's no, it's not, now you're not going, oh, I have to learn something right. completely different. It's now right. I'll add a whole lot of tools to my work, you know, to my work that, that give me a lot more power. Um, it is uh, a lot of stuff's being done automatically as you bring stuff in. So it's, it's looking at your footage and deciding, do you need it to be stabilized? Can we clean up the audio for you? And you, you can always turn that off, but you can allow it to, to do a lot of that work as you're coming in. You can start working on your footage before it's even imported. You know, so if you just start, you plug your drive in and you start importing, but you, uh, you, know, you can start working on that footage, start working through it. So it's, it looks to be a, a very, very powerful. It's, gonna, it's a complete rewrite, so it, as new, new editors, are going to have this, this is going to be a, a, a real gift. Editors who have muscle memory of how to edit, uh, this is going to be a big learning curve for them. Well, somebody like Alex, who is a Adobe Premiere guy, right. uh, and we've kind of been banging on him to use Final Cuts because that's what we use, he might actually appreciate the shift. He might say, oh, this is easier. Because I tell you, I look at Final Cut, even Final Cut Express, and it was a little overwhelming for yeah. me. This is a lot more straightforward. It's okay. a lot cleaner, a lot cleaner interface than what but, we've seen with any of the other apps. Th and this is called Final Cut X. Final Cut X. Final well, Cut Pro is it X. 10? Uh, or X. Or I don't know whether it's X or 10. I never know. Apple's I always call so it confusing. Oh, I will say um, X. The, uh, Here's the big story. Two ninety nine. Two hundred ninety nine bucks. And in the down store. from twelve ninety nine. Right. Well, now that was the whole thousand bundle. dollars. So they unbundled less. it. Oh, okay. So we talked about that. They've unbundled it. They've uh, Final Cut. Uh, Final Cut itself is going to be two ninety nine. They have. They didn't talk about any of the other applications. This so is what know. you predicted, and they're selling it in the App Store. In the App Store. Uh, which means that if it's like everything else in the App Store, if you have three computers at home, and on you're going to just install it on, on, on all of them, and it's, it's uh, whatever's got your login. No more of that copy protection nonsense. It's just done. You know, it's, it's very, very exciting. It's a big move for Apple saying, I, if, if you ask me, saying, uh, we, we believe we can make one product that will suit both the pro and the advanced consumer. Yeah. And it gives the, it, there's no more Final Cut Express, right? It gives no, the advanced gone. consumer a place to go after they say, well, iMovie's close, but I need a little more. And a an easy place, transition. Yeah. Absolutely. 
um, what it's going to do is breed a whole generation of editors, I think. You yeah. know? It's, um, it's, 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 it's going to be difficult if you're, if you're in that middle-of-the-road editor that's just kind of putting stuff, slogging stuff together. You're going to have to bring your game up a bit. Right. If you are getting into the industry, you're, um, you know, you're fine. If you're a really advanced editor, this probably doesn't affect you. You're probably so going to use whatever you're using. Sounds like it's almost uh, a, a little bit um, uh, like... Uh, I don't, I don't it's going to be disruptive. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's going it to be disruptive like because there are many transition. things. There are many things that you had to be a real expert to do that now uh, you can get done very quickly and very easily. So there, in some ways, I heard I heard some grumbling last night that from editors going, they're making it too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you know, it's uh, all these all these things are going to wow. put us out of work. You know. Well, uh, Larry Jordan's going to come yep. back. Uh, he's of course the Final Cut guru. He'll be here. Uh, you'll come back yep. in about uh, half an hour, yep. and we will spend more time. We'll explain what all of this is, what it looks like, what it means. Do you have screenshots or anything we can look at? Uh, we have. That, some people took some photos. But we don't have any screenshots that okay. we can show, but we can. Uh, Somebody but, but said, I, "Is Walter Merch going to be happy?" <laughs> uh, I don't know. That, he may that, not. Those those are the kind of editors that we have to get their feedback. And I, right. I haven't. I haven't. They weren't. He wasn't there last night, so right. I don't know. Right. I think that's really, really interesting. Two ninety nine for the new Final Cut X coming Final out in Cut June. X coming out in June. We're going to assume that it's after Lion. I mean, I, mean, I think probably that's will require line. Yeah. I would guess it would that's require line. All right. Thank you, Alex Lindsay. Thank you. We're going to let Alex go and introduce our uh, panel here for uh, 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 the beginning day, uh, day three at uh, NAB. And Scott Wilkinson's back. It's great to see you. Home Theater Geeks host. Thank we you. did a Home Theater Geeks on Monday, which it should be out now. Uh, yes, the audio is up now. Uh, there have been apparently a little bit of problem with the video. Oh, poor so Tony. Yeah, he ran out of disk space. He ran out of disk space, <laughs> so we're still waiting for that. But uh, he's, he's working diligently on it, so I'm sure we're going to see it pretty soon. And uh, also, of course, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com. He's a columnist at Home Theater Magazine, and he's a pig in mud here. He's enjoying <laughs> himself, as am I. Yes, tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. I mean, this is where you see the big iron, the big toys, the stuff that uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, although as you pointed out last night at the Broadcast Minds Roundtable, uh, the prices are coming down so fast, yeah. and technology is getting faster, smaller, cheaper, uh, democratizing this whole industry so That's that anybody exciting to me. so that anybody can really get into it uh, with a modicum of, you know you have to have some budget still but uh, you know it just thrills me it yeah. means that uh, more and more people can do what I'm doing yeah uh, more and more people can just get a little camera and go out there and and make something and, and an important point you made last night I think was that it soon will, if it's not already possible, for the audience to be more participatory right. in Twitch shows, for example. Right, right. And uh, which, which is something that I admire about you tremendously. Well, that's that you what really we're really trying to figure to out. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. In fact, I said that at the Broadcast Minds event, um, that if because they, they asked at the end, well, what do you want? What do you see in five years? And I said, I want a TriCaster for interactivity. And you know, it's interesting because Andrew Cross was there. He's the guy who's writing the TriCaster software, designing uh -huh. the hardware. He's the guru, the genius behind mm -hmm. the 850, which we're using, and TriCasters we've used before. And Andrew pulled me aside. We went to dinner afterwards and said, All right, what did you mean? And I said, Well, look, we have a you know uh, part of what we do is to try to break down the fourth wall. We don't want to be on a TV set with lights in front of us, cameras in front of us, and this glass barrier between us and the audience. Right. We want the audience to feel like they're sitting right here next to us and interacting with us right. in a natural way, so they feel like they're part of it. It's one of the reasons we do this chat room. Yep. Um, by the way, uh, if you aren't in the chat, irc.twit.tv. I do. I'm watching it right now. We all watch as it as I we am. as we go. We respond to the chat room. But that is. Compared to what I see, he came up with a great solution. I won't tell you, uh -oh. but uh, he says I'm going to write into the next edition of TriCaster a way to integrate the audience in much more 
tightly. Wow. I said I want a TriCaster for audience uh, interaction. Yeah. And he said, okay, we could do that in the real, in the existing. So there's some very interesting stuff uh, uh, coming. He's That's really, great. he's really great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you brought John Taylor, speaking of great guys, somebody that we did meet uh, at LG uh, at the, at the, at CES. Yep. And, uh, and LG's back here. Do you do a lot of pro gear, uh, John? Uh, we don't really. We're more on the consumer Yeah, we side. know you as a consumer company. Yeah. 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 So, but, but you're here not in your capacity at LG. But in your capacity as a, a member of the Open Mobile Video Alliance, I'm wearing lots of hats here. But the, uh, <laughs> the Open Mobile Video Coalition has a tremendous display of mobile digital television devices, and I brought some toys. And I, uh, I'm at your mercy. We, this well, is, I'm so glad because you know, talk about mobile DTV and where it's headed. Scott yeah. knows that on the radio show on Sunday, we got a call from the chief engineer at KQED in San Francisco who said, I give you an assignment, Leah, when you go to NAB, tell us, find out what's the status of mobile TV. And uh, we, thank you, Scott. And here he is. Here's your assignment fulfilled. <laughs> First, I think, John, we have to explain what this is, because I know that I can right now, uh, there's Vcast on the Verizon network, I can watch streaming video, I can, we can watch us on, on mobile devices. Sure. So how is this different? This is different in that uh, there are indeed lots of ways to get mobile video today. Um, but what's different about mobile digital television, it is broadcast television. This is a standard my company and others developed. It was adopted by the ATSC about 18 months ago. And uh, it delivers a more robust digital signal that piggybacks along with the ATSC signal that's delivering HDTV to your home. Um, there's actually a lot of wind in the sails, I'm happy to report. Yeah, because uh, we've seen, uh, I remember Flow TV, which is a Qualcomm project, which is now defunct. Uh, right. Same idea, they bought a UHF channel in every market, and uh, same channel in every market. It was kind of a weird idea, yeah. and it was digital, wasn't it? And you right. bought a little Flow TV device or an adapter for your phone, and you were able to watch it. This is not the same thing. What's different about this is, and, and there, are, there are a lot of people that are analyzing what happened to Flow, and I don't even want to go there, but what's... What's happening today is that this is live local television, uh, and it's using the, the broadcast infrastructure that's already in place. See, so I like that because live local means you're watching breaking news, you're watching uh, sporting weather events, sports, weather, all mm -hmm. the things that uh, you know you can't get on a, a VOD system or like a Roku. That's the stuff that we want. Now, what's the difference between this and... Uh, for a long time, we've had portable TVs, right? That that, that have the little whip antenna, right? And, and you now have a few that are that are DTVs. Well, in the analog world, and I had my old Sony Watchman. I used to. I live. Right. In, yeah. I live right. in Chicago. I used to take it to Wrigley Field and watch WGN yeah. while the game, while was, the game going was going on. on. Right. In the digital world, uh, because the ATSC digital TV standard was designed to maximize the bits that go that deliver HDTV to the home, mm -hmm. um, there are, there are trade-offs between throughput of bits and robustness. So if you had a portable digital television set receiving a regular ATSC signal, if you moved it like this, mm -hmm. you would lose the signal. Ah. So that's that's sort of the secret sauce behind mobile DTV. Yeah, people get nervous when you say it's OTA, it's over the air. Oh, no. I mean, uh, you know, multi-path canyons of steel in New York City, you're not going to be able to. But this is not, this is designed for this. It's designed exactly for that. Uh, for Talk about multi-path, zero ghosts. If you get into the, uh, we've done a lot of testing in the concrete canyons of New York and Chicago. 
the the picture is rock solid and it's because it is so much more robust there's a lot now, of redundancy built into the stream there's a lot of redundancy and you know it's it's only 500 kilobits actually so in terms what? of really in terms of the actual wow. picture wow so it's not taking a lot of bandwidth it takes a total of a you know a couple of megabits because of the the guard bands and the like but right. what kind of what kind of uh, resolution are you getting well, it varies from display to display. Right. Um, but, I mean, in terms so of the signal, are you actually transmitting 1080p or 1080i? I don't think you have a device that high a resolution. No. Yeah. No. You don't care, though. I mean, you SD really don't is care. fine. On this, this size screen, this you really don't No, yeah. true. True enough. Yeah. So, uh, you're holding up. These these are little TV-only devices that are oh. designed to receive this mobile TV. Now, this is actually an Android phone. Oh, all right. You can see so. the shot there so you know what they're getting. So, this is a, a prototype based on an, the uh, LG latest Android phone. Move it a little bit you guys make great Android phones, John, by the way. I can't yeah. wait. I'm, I'm waiting for the LG on T-Mobile that's about to come out. You'll, you'll notice the picture is frozen. I was getting a great signal outside. We are really in a concrete canyon We're in a here. concrete and steel so canyon here. In Vegas, well, not there in are a canyon, but a, but a box. Yeah, there are broadcasters in Vegas. Uh, some of this, some, There are already stations doing this. There are stations doing this. In fact, there's about 75 stations on the air throughout the country already. Wow. Uh, by the end of this year, there should be 200 stations on the air. So I, you know, and there are what a, four in Vegas, four in Vegas for the show. I don't know how many ever going ah. to stay on permanently. It, we're in this classic chicken and egg right. situation. Nobody right has now. receivers, so the who's going to put it on? Receivers are right. uh, not quite all on the market, and the broadcasters are not quite all out there yet. But uh, we think this is the year when the ecosystem is going to come together. What would have to be added to my existing, uh, I guess it couldn't put it on an existing phone without a kind of a case around it like the Flow TV was doing. Or, or an antenna. Well, so you'd have to, in, an, in let's say LG, presumably LG is, designs a new Android phone. Is it a, do you have to put a chip in there and an antenna on it? It's just that? a tiny little chip. That's, okay. You do have to have an antenna because right. it is over-the-air television. Right. But there are lots of different options, uh, you know, we build chips, so many of these options include our technology. There's a cool device called a Tivitson, which will work with uh, an iPhone and an iPad. It actually is a standalone receiver that uses Wi-Fi uh, to deliver. It receives the mobile ETV and displays. That's it. funny. That's what Flow TV was doing. They had, a, but it was on the phone. So they they you because you you couldn't modify the phone, especially an iPhone. So they used a Wi-Fi, little mini Wi-Fi kind of near near field uh, transmitter that would fit onto the phone. Huh. And but nobody bought them. Probably cost. Probably lack of programming. Um, and complexity. I think the only way this succeeds is if it comes with my phone. Well, phones are going to be a very important piece of the package, but there are lots of other devices coming. Do you think people uh, will buy a standalone uh, mobile TV device? Well, there's going to be in-car solutions for sure. In-car, that makes um, sense, yeah. There are, so it'll work as I'm driving down the road. I'll have a good signal. Absolutely. We've tested it at uh, 80 miles an hour. <laughs> and we've done lab simulations for bullet train applications at 150 miles an hour. But wow. you'll need to be near a local signal. Is well, it, it's the same coverage area, though. If you think of it is the, the same. That's the, what I was going to ask. The, what the broadcasters call the B contour. Yeah. Um, and because the signal is more robust, you're able to deal with some of the uh, terrain issues right. better than you would with regular terrestrial broadcasting. Now, internationally, this is a standard that, that is actually, Korea, for instance, uh, they use this, right? Not the same standard. It's now a difference. It's MH. Now, in Korea, they use the ATSC broadcast standard for HDTV to fixed receivers. But they have a different system called uh, TDMB okay. for mobile television. 
Japan has ISDB, which is a different mobile television standard. And in Europe, uh, there's DVB-H. So there's kind of competing standards around the world. But in the, uh, the, but in the U.S., it's, it's the same ATSC standard that we watch at home. Exactly. It's an extension of it. An extension mobile. of it, yeah. yeah. And it, it's really tailored specifically for the, the U.S. market and for the, the needs of broadcasters and, most importantly, the, the U.S. consumer. Is that a challenge for LG? I mean, you make uh, devices that are global. So you have to make a U.S. device, a Japanese device, a Korean. We're a big company. It's not a great challenge. <laughs> we're, we're arms dealers. We'll sell them all over the place. <laughs> and, you, and you're used to that. I mean, it's true yeah. for TV standards, too. You, yeah. you, know, you have NTSC in some markets, a, a, you know, a CCAM and PAL in other markets. Now, I see you have a, a mobile TV here that's actually doing 3D. Glasses look. Wait a minute. No. So, so <laughs> again, the, the, the picture froze on us, unfortunately. But, but That's Yogi, and he's 3D. I can it, see he's it, jumping out. It, it's kind of cool because what we're showing is the, the flexibility of the standard right. of the ATSC there. mobile DTV standard um, for broadcasters to deliver things like 3D. So you have enough bandwidth to do a 3D signal? Yeah, it doesn't really take that much more. Interesting. Um, the other cool thing we're showing, I think... Uh, and of course, folks at home, you're not seeing the 3D, but I no. see it here. But you can yeah. see it. it. It's lenticular, so as you move it, 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 it you looks... You get these little dark bands yeah. going across. But, but Your it eyes works. have to be in the right place. It's but 3DS. It yes. It's actually not lenticular. and it's I don't, not. It's a parallax barrier, some kind of thing. Oh, okay. that's so technically over my head, it's okay. magical, but it's... Uh, <laughs> same idea, though. You have to be in a specific space to see right. that 3D, and there's a multiple places around that you can see. Correct. It. Exactly. Neat. That would be in the back of my... Uh, of my car seat, I think. Right. The kids would watch Right, that. for the kids yeah. to watch on the long yeah. trip. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what, do you, what do you anticipate, John, for adoption of this mobile TV standard? Well, we're really bullish about this market. We think that uh, the... Broadcasters the, want it? Broadcasters want it. And if you look at the, the, the landscape today, there's naysayers out there that say that terrestrial broadcasting is dead, that they should give up their spectrum. Yes. Um, Mobile DTV and things like emergency alerts and uh, will really give breathe new life into terrestrial broadcasting. Uh, this is, shows a very important use of that spectrum. Um, think of the emergency alert uh, applications. Right. Just yesterday, the PBS announced a pilot project that LG is going to be involved in to uh, take the existing. Um, emergency alert system that was developed right after 9-11 and uh, blow it up into a much bigger program based on mobile DTV. So not just delivering 90 characters of text for an emergency alert, but using rich media of video and audio. Hmm. So, And how soon before we see the devices that we can uh, watch? Some are on the on the market right now. There's okay. a couple in the uh, in the booth that you can get. Uh, but in terms of the, I'd love know, to see it in the phone because I don't want to carry another thing. That's coming yeah. soon. And you know, yeah. one of the one of the barriers has been that, uh, at least in the United States, the uh, the mobile phone carriers uh, really have a lot of control over what goes <laughs> in the <laughs> phones. We know this. Don't uh, <laughs> so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and we love those guys. There are there are customers. Uh, and we've had many fruitful discussions with them to help them understand that uh, this is really not competing, but it's it's complementary. When you think of this, the the broadcast model, one to many, uh, and it's the best delivery system for video. Um, if you, a perfect example, uh, you know, two years ago when I was at uh, President Obama's inauguration on the National Mall, 
with a million people. They could hardly see, right? You couldn't. Uh, yeah. There's no way you could watch video, let alone right. make a call. Right. But if you had mobile digital television, everyone could watch it at the same time. Isn't that cool? John, it's great uh, to meet you again, see you again, and, uh, I'm ex and you're wearing a different hat. The thank mobile you TV for hat. having us and back. Thank you for filling us in on this. And uh, I can't wait to get it. Maybe it'll be on my G2X when that uh, arrives at T-Mobile. <laughs> or maybe my Optimus. I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't mind. One cool application that we're showing here for the first time that I think your audience would really appreciate is uh, we call it Tweet TV. Uh -huh. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's actually using mobile digital television uh, tied in with Twitter. So you could actually have uh, multiple people watching the same program and they would tweet and the tweet would go to the TV station that would oh, consolidate them and that would overlay on your screen. It's not so, a two-way standard though. Uh, it's not a two-way standard but there is a return path uh, oh, using the, uh, the mobile phone of course. Interesting. Ah, how interesting. That's so, a neat application. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks John, we appreciate it. John Taylor from LG. Uh, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> Not lucky gold star. We don't Thanks, see that. Thanks, John. Thank you so much. Really We're live at the NAB show in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to okay. do Windows Weekly in a little bit. Uh, Paul Therott will join us. Uh, Paul uh, is here not for the NAB show, but for um, the Mix show, what so, uh, which is Microsoft's uh, web uh, show. So he's going to be here, and he'll be joining us. Normally, we start that show at about 11 a.m. We'll start a little bit late to give us a little more time to do some coverage on the Final Cut thing and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, stay tuned. Paul Therott uh, is going to join us probably in about half an hour. And we will go back to the studio for this week and Google Tom Merritt will host. So we will have Twig uh, at our usual time, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on live.twit.tv. Do you want me, should I do a commercial now? Would this be a good time to do a Netflix <clears throat> and then uh, we'll get set up. Larry Jordan and uh, Alex Lindsay will join us to talk about Final Cut Pro. It's not X, Alex. It's 7. That's the old one. Oh. You sure? Yeah, that's the, the old one. The stunning new release? Do search for FCPX. Oh. It looks... It's really? Not, no, it doesn't look like that at all anymore. <laughs> oh. I know that may look new to you, but you haven't been doing your own editing <laughs> for five years. it's been a while since I've used Final Cut. All right, here we go. Now I found it. Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. It's a huge announcement, maybe the biggest announcement of uh, the uh, National Association of Broadcasters show. This show brought to you, as always, by our friends at Netflix. We love Netflix. I don't have to tell you how great Netflix is. It's, of course, we all know the DVD by mail model. In one, as little as one business day, you get your movie. Um, you can get subscriptions of one, two, three, or four, or five movies. I have the five movie uh, at a time subscription. That means I keep five movies at a time. When I mail one back, they instantly turn around and send me the next movie on my queue. I have a queue of several hundred movies. But it's funny, I was just looking at my Netflix account. I have about, a, what, I think it's 150 movies on my, uh, on my regular queue, and I have over 300 movies on my Watch Instantly queue. That's the exciting uh, new feature that Netflix and some of those, some of those, uh, those 300 oftentimes uh, TV series, which uh, is another... whole darn series, exactly. I am such a huge Netflix fan. Let me see. I'm just going to check. I'll tell you my queue numbers. So I have my... You know, you go now on the Netflix uh, site to your queue, and it shows you both your regular queue and your watch instantly. The funny thing is you don't even need a watch instantly queue because you just watch anything you want anytime. You just search. You just search. Yeah. And there are so many great movies uh, on uh, the Netflix watch instantly. The girl with the dragon the tattoo. Yeah, they've got one and two now. Both. There. All three. All three? Yeah, they all, all the way up to the girl who kicked the, the, the horn. 234 <laughs> discs on my DVD queue. 
367 on my Instagram. <laughs> uh, you might say I'm a heavy user. Uh, I love Netflix, and so we have it on all of our TVs. I have Roku boxes on two TVs, a PlayStation 3 on another, an Xbox 360 on another, a Nintendo Wii. Any, any way, uh, almost any way you can watch TV, you can have Netflix uh, instant on there. Of course, on your laptops and on your uh, iPad and iPhone. I'm not sure, sure if I know anybody without Netflix. Well, that's the only problem with this ad. <laughs> Larry Jordan. Any, Larry Jordan doesn't have Netflix. Netflix.com slash twit. We've got to send you there. I kept trying to uh, to enroll in Netflix, and I said, Leo's got all the movies. Check out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why yeah, Instant's great, because there's no limit you know, to how many people can watch a movie. Um, I was just watching the Smothers Brothers, uh, as I mentioned, because Andy had recommended that uh, book. Um, uh, that's on disc. And so that's why sometimes, you, you know, it's nice to have the disc as well. Sure. And then I'm looking, as you go through your regular queue, every once in a while you'll see a play button, which means you could play that movie right now. You could watch it instantly. Oh, The Fast and the Furious. Maybe I'll watch that. You don't mind while you guys are doing the show? No, no, no. no. <laughs> and many of these movies in high def, it really is spectacular. Netflix.com slash twit. You could try it free for 30 days. Free discs and not, uh, watch instantly, which is really spectacular. Um, we just love Netflix. If you haven't tried it yet, try it. And, you know, I think really uh, you might also want to try it for a loved one. I gave it to my mom, and uh, every year on her birthday, I give her a renewed year-long subscription to Netflix, and she just loves it. She calls me every once in a while and says, okay, I need stuff for my queue. What, what, should, what should I watch? We were watching Big Night. Oh, you want to get hungry? Watch Big Night. What a great movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't is, know that one. Oh, it's so great. Uh, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. The, is it John Turturro's in it? Oh, that's right. Stanley Tucci. He is the crazy Italian chef. Oh, he's great. It's two brothers, Primo and Secundi. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they moved to America, and they started an Italian restaurant. And the, the, the theme, it's one night. The theme of the big night is the restaurant's struggling a little bit, and they hope to turn their fortunes around because Louis Prima is coming to town. Uh, and yeah. they've been promised that Louis is going to come to the restaurant, so they make this amazing meal. And it's just wonderful. At one point, he says, I am going to make a timpano. And his brother says, no, not the timpano. <laughs> it's a, I've had a timpano. It's an amazing dish. If you love movies, you, uh, documentaries, um, TV shows, there's nothing better than Netflix. Netflix.com uh, slash twit. You could be watching, in, well, I'm watching right now, the uh, Fast and the Furious instantly. On, uh, on your laptop, on your iPad, on your iPhone, of course, and all those great We'll notice places. that Leo, every once in a while, in the middle of the show, will just simply <gasps> look down and you <gasps> The timpano! No, <laughs> not the timpano! If I could find that clip, I would play it. It is so, so great. But, Leo, how do you really feel about <laughs> Netflix? I love them! <laughs> you know, that's, we've been, I've been, to be honest, I've been trying to get them to advertise on the network uh, since I started advertising on the network. Um, because, I, you know, we try to get uh, companies on that we use and that we're fans of, and I, I, I don't think there, there are many. It, Amazon's one, mm -hmm. Audible, which is an Amazon company, Netflix. Mm -hmm. There are just a few companies you just love. This is one of them. Netflix.com/slash/twit. Look at that. You could be watching movies right now. On at any beat, you could be watching movies while you're walking. Never around be bored be again, my friends. <laughs> Hey, Larry Jordan is here. We're so glad you're here, uh, Larry, with Scott Wilkinson and, uh, of course, Alex Lindsay. And I think we really got to talk about uh, Final Cut. I think we really do. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, huge. So 
I'll, I'll let you guys just go on and on and on. They announced this last night at the Super Meet. Yeah, so Super Meet is every year. This, the is, the, ten this years. is the 10th year. 10th year. So 10, wow. Yeah, it was the 10th anniversary. And this is the first time Apple's been at the Super Meet for a couple of years. As you know, Leo, they stopped coming to the, all the trade shows about three years ago. Right. They used to have the booth right over your shoulder. They used to be right. here. Yeah, That's they right. used to be here. They used to have a 100 by 100 foot booth. I mean, a significantly large booth. And yeah. when they started their stores, they said, we don't need to be at NAB anymore. Right. Or, or any convention. Or any convention. CES or anything. Right. So they pulled out of everything. And so it came as a surprise to <laughs> a lot of Mac people. World. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It came as a surprise to a lot of people that they were going to talk about the new version of Final Cut at the Super Meet, mm -hmm. and there were there were seventeen hundred people on their chairs last night watching the announcement. Oh my wow. goodness! Now and you're were, you're the quintessential pro. You're a filmmaker. You teach Final Cut. Uh, I mean, this is a big part of your business. It is indeed. And I know that many pros that I talked to over the last couple of days before the Super Meet were very concerned that Apple was going to take their pro product and dumb it down. It looks like they did. Are you dissatisfied with what they've done? No, I think that's, that's a premature evaluation. Um, I was just talking, let's back up two steps and, and discuss what happened first. Okay. They did not launch Final Cut Pro. What they did for the very first time is they gave us a preview of a piece of Final Cut Pro. So they have been very careful to say that we're not talking about all the other applications in the suite. We're not even telling you everything that we're doing in Final Cut. It's absolutely a work in progress. And because of that, we want to essentially show you the interface. Mm -hmm. And people look at it and they say, wow, it's got a black screen rather than a gray screen. And oh, it's essentially a single window with elements inside as opposed to movable windows. Then it must be iMovie. <laughs> and the, the fallacy with this uh, was pointed out to me after the presentation. One of the people that were sitting and watching it said, you know, a Ford and a Ferrari both have accelerators. <laughs> but they're not the same car. True. Right. If Apple was not interested in the pro market, they would never introduce it at NAB because the people that's true. That they that's exactly they right. have to be they have to be and the other thing Leo that you would appreciate given the guests that you have on your show is I was sitting in the second row from the front directly in front of me was Phil Schiller to the right of Phil Schiller was the head of Apple PR wow and then next to me was their senior vice president of development followed by two directors of development i mean there were 10 high level except for Steve Jobs and Tim Cook you could you you had the high level echelon of Apple sitting in the front row raunch, watching the launch of a product not being introduced and not going on stage these people have far too many demands on their time to come and watch something that Apple doesn't care about for i mean well that, and i suspect that what they were also watching is the reaction of the user group which was overwhelmingly positive it was with the exception that we don't know a lot of the key answers we don't know things like what are the other applications we right. don't know what is changing in quicktime we don't know how it's dealing with media management there's a lot of really significant issues that we would need to get resolved before the product launches so just to kind of uh the quick bottom line prices, it is going to be unbundled, it'll be sold on the uh, Mac App Store, it'll be $299, which is a remarkable price. Um, some of the features that are normally a part of the full studio, like color, are going to be We saw a secondary color in correction there. built into the, into the actual app. We don't know whether color is going to be around or not, but we did, we did see tools that we would typically send, we would send app stuff out to color to, to I, do the correction. I don't know if you could see this, uh, you know, we, we don't have screenshots really, the loop uh, got some screenshots from Apple, and I don't know if uh, you probably can't pick that up very well. Um, but uh, if you let me see if I can find the URL so people can look at this. 
Um, Leo, I've, I've got a blog. That has, oh, your blog too, Larry? With okay. the blog. If you go to LarryJordan.biz slash blog, I have both a write-up of last night and the enlarged images that you're showing. People Excellent. can go right to the blog and look at it. Excellent. LarryJordan.biz slash blog. Slash blog. So you can follow along. It does look very different. It's, it, 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 feels, it feels like a very modern interface. You know, totally. And, and, and I will say that while it's not, it's definitely not iMovie, you can definitely see that they learned a lot. You know, there's a lot. The, if you are going, one of the things that's great is it, before, whether it was the old iMovie or the new iMovie, you'd learn how to do that, you'd get comfortable with it, and then you'd go to Final Cut Express and you'd be lost. You now, know, those yep. paradigms are very similar. And one of the interesting reasons is the underlying technology is Quartz Composer. Right. And one of the developers for Apple was showing me the Quartz Composer engine, which uses the exact same color background, the exact same glossy interface. So it isn't that it's iMovie-esque, it's that it's built on the core technology right. of Core Composer. So it's like the underlying foundation is built of brick, so everything built of brick looks like something right. built of brick. Quartz one Composer of the is amazing. And yeah. one of the questions that we have, though, is that the, it would appear, we, we might assume that FX Plug is not going to be there. So what, what, where, did, where do developers go? I mean, that's the... A huge question that as there's no answer and if you ask Apple they will say what we're doing is we're showing you a preview of the product and they're not talking things uh, QuickTime the QuickTime has to change but I was talking with some engineering people and they're very careful to say nothing about QuickTime so that this is a very limited release of the interface to get people accustomed to where Apple's headed to get feedback but it's by no means in detail you said that the, uh, the it's basically been unbundled from what it used to be. Right. I'm curious to know what functions are now separated out and you might have to buy separately. Well, the, they, it came as a suite. So what you had before was at, you had at twelve ninety nine. At $12.99. Uh, you, you had a bunch of things. A bunch of applications. Okay. Six applications. Okay, and now you're going to buy them separately. We don't, that's we don't, that's we don't the know. presumption, but we don't know. We don't know what applications are coming with it, and we don't know what the pricing is going to be. Mm. One of the stunning things is they're selling it through the App Store. This, this is a huge application to sell through the App Store, which caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. I mean, normally stuff there is 10 bucks or free. Here well, you're paying three hundred dollars, but but you were paying twelve ninety nine, and and I think that this is what one of the things that I think Apple had to do. They had to put it in the Mac App Store. They're not going to be able to put it in there for ten dollars. Yeah, they, I thought maybe they would get aggressive enough to say ninety nine dollars. Looking at two ninety nine, I think that 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 makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, they are saying, but I think what Apple is saying is is that if you're making a pro app on on the going into the Mac App Store, you better have a really really strong app if you're going to charge more than three hundred dollars. They're setting a, a certain pace. Uh, yeah, I think it would have been place. inappropriate to have it be at ninety nine dollars. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, and and so, but it means that what used to be the price that you paid for Final Cut Express mm -hmm. is now getting you Final Cut. And look what happened with Avid. Avid made the announcement on Monday this week that they were doing a cross grade that you could go from any version of Final Cut to Avid for nine hundred ninety nine dollars. And now all of a sudden, Apple's seven hundred dollars <laughs> lower than that. Right. Right. Well, and I, and I think that and it also provides a very logical step up for somebody like me, for whom Final Cut was a real challenge. I right. used iMovie; it did most of what I wanted to. But now, at a fairly reasonable step up from iMovie, you can get a pro package. That Final Cut Express, I take it, is gone. Yeah. And get a pro package that will grow almost uh, limitlessly with your abilities. Mm. Is that right, Larry? I mean, you do a lot of training in Final Cut. You know, one of the things that, that I think is going to be the real challenge is helping editors to unlearn what they know yeah. oh, and man. learn the new interface. So if yeah. you never learned how to edit, you're in great shape right now. Well, I think a couple things. One of the, one of the problems I've got 
is I actually do know more than I can talk about. And so <laughs> Alex is coming in with some wonderful comments that prevent me from having to talk in some of these areas. <laughs> so, so listen I, to Alex. Okay, we got So it. I appreciate what Alex has to say. So, but, but one of the things that we've never been able to do before is to move projects easily from iMovie up into right. Final Cut Express or Final Cut. It is to be hoped that that is now going to change. It's also to be hoped that we have greater interconnection between different applications, not just within the Apple family, but across production environments in general, because... Editing doesn't exist in a vacuum. You've got to deal with all the different cameras and all the different formats of distribution, and, and the XML foundation upon which Final Cut is based makes that kind of sharing possible, but we don't know how they're developing that with this version. So I, there's the, I think the way to think about it is you have to withhold judgment until we know more because the devil's in the details. As you look at this, if they implement it right, it's stunning. It's, it is everything that we could possibly want. It's fast, it's modern, it does stuff we've always wanted and never did. If they implement it poorly, it looks exactly the same, and it's like running a race car on square wheels. Well, and, and, and the, the concern that I always have when an when a application has a lot of automatic features and has a lot of pre-built things that do a lot of things for you, when those start to break, they, there's, it's very difficult to get back to square one. So, yes. and, and so when I see, I, I get very excited about the magnetic timeline, and I get very excited about, you know, a lot of the tools that they're that they're putting together. But I go, and if I have a two-hour uh, piece, or I have, you know, a 45-minute piece, and I and I start playing around with uh, with auditioning things and moving all of that stuff in and out. Is it really going to work? And those are the kind of things we have to test once we, once we have it. And there's a very, very cool thing they did that, that you may have missed when they were doing the presentation, but I've heard it twice. First, I heard it in the middle of February, and they did the exact same presentation last night so I could compare my notes. What they said is it will analyze clips for image stabilization. It will analyze clips for color correction, but it doesn't actually stabilize. It doesn't actually color correct. So the auto features are analyzed, which is all the time-consuming stuff. Right. But then you have control over whether you turn those features on That's or not. That's very cool. Well, it's, it, and those don't bother me nearly as much. What I get concerned about is the, magnetic, the connections between the audio and, and the magnetic timeline where things are popping around and extremely powerful features. I mean, that, that are gonna make a huge difference in workflows. It's just that what I get concerned about is in a really big project, how well they'll perform on a laptop. Yes. You know, so, so those are you know, those are things that, and, and, and we won't know until we get to play with it, but I, I, I think that, I think a very advanced uh, editor is gonna have a hard time because they, this is you know an extension of their hands right now. That's no longer, it's, it's basically been cut off. You know, you're gonna, like How about somebody Leo, moving this from is, Premiere I, or I'm Avid? Sorry. Will they feel comfortable making this move? Is this so different even from the uh, co competition that it's... Users of or the developers of? Users of. Editors. I think partly you edit because you pick the tool that works the best with how you think. And partly you pick the tool because it, needs, it meets the technical needs that you've got. Right. Um, I think that edit, uh, every editor has its own challenges and every editor, uh, every piece of software has its own challenges. But I think, I think that the process of editing is the same and the idea of telling stories visually remains the same. Mm -hmm. But there is absolutely going to be a learning curve and the more you've used the old version of Final Cut, the harder it's going to be to make that transition. Leo, just two things to, to, to emphasize from what Alex said. One of the neat things about the magnetic timeline, which is very cool, is if you take a clip and you slide the clip down the timeline, 
other clips get out of the way. It's like the Knight's bus on Harry Potter. You're moving a clip, and the buildings get out of the way as you're moving the clip. Yeah, it doesn't run over them. It doesn't go through them. And it actually these it, all just, it just pushes them away. And yeah. then you move past it, and the clips come back together again. It's called the magnetic timeline, which is very cool. And it's very friendly. And, 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 and you're right. It's in the implementation. But just because Alex didn't explain what the magnetic timeline was, well, I had to share did. with you. And, and, and the truth is, two years from now, it, we'll look back and say, oh, yeah, okay, fine. It, I remember the Tempest over the Change It I movie, and everybody was very upset. And by the time it kind of got absorbed by everybody, now everybody's very comfortable with it. You don't see many people downloading iMovie 6. It's, uh, it's, it's always difficult to make a transition. Yeah. It sounds like if Apple always. continues to focus, as, as you seem to think they are, on the pro market uh, and fulfilling the pro market's needs, there'll be a little bit of uh, upset. But boy, I'll tell you what, from a point, point of view of somebody like me, 299 and something that's a little more intuitive well, and more powerful is very attractive, not just for me as an editor, but for me as somebody who hires and uses editors. It's going to be a lot easier for us to train people, a lot easier for us to get our job done. Um, you know, we, we really are only doing kind of almost A-B editing, old, old school editing. It sounds like this will work fine uh, for that too, which is great. It'll be, it'll totally. be a quick editor. Um, so I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about it. I think this is a very, I'm very pleased with what Apple's doing, I think. No, I, I think that it is, especially for this huge market of that's very big, fast turn. That very mean, fast turn. That's where there's a lot of people. Yeah, you have, um, when you're looking at pr predators, who are, you know, they're out, producer editors, who are out there, they're, they're being sent on the field with a laptop to go shoot something, turn it over that day, and send it back. I think this is going to be the, the, a huge application for for them where they're not necessarily the guys that sit in front of Final Cut all day, um, but they need to be able to create a creative story very, very fast uh, with, with, you know, in a very, very short turnaround. I think this is going to be a very, very powerful application for them. One of the other really cool things that it does is it now supports background rendering, yeah. which means you're not having to wait for stuff to render anymore. That's very good. It takes advantage of the new 64-bit memory addressing mm -hmm. so you can have unlimitedly large projects. And it works with all the processors on your computer. So if you've got an 8-core, 12-core, 75-core, a 261-core processor, which I'm sure is going to be announced next week. <laughs> <laughs> Final Cut will take advantage of that, which the current version does none of those things. And, and when I think of a 13-inch laptop or a 15-inch laptop with Thunderbolt hooked to a little mini ray, like a little, one of the little C rays at 700 megs a second, you know, with a bunch of RAM in it, uh, this is a real, I mean, you could really do a lot of damage in the field. Oh, seriously. And yeah. the other thing that it does is you don't have to transcode. According to what Apple said last night is that everything, all video formats are now calculated in real time. So you don't need to take DSLR footage and translate it to ProRes or take AVC HD footage and translate it. So the, 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 the small, inexpensive cameras that are shooting cheap video formats now can be edited natively in a way that they otherwise can't. Speaking of cameras, the RED camera is here, so I want to uh, bring them up. Uh, we can talk more about Final Cut X or 10. Larry, 10 or X? Uh, it's Final Cut Pro um, 10. 10. So it's not X. We now know it's 10. <laughs> well, look at it's OS 10. Right. Although it's written with an X, it's right. Oh, it's okay. I was com I was confused. <laughs> no, thank you, Larry. We'll have more to talk about in that in just a little bit. Also, Windows Weekly coming up in just about uh, 15, 20 minutes. But come on, come on. We got to take a look at this, Larry. Even you have to be interested in this. This is the uh, the oh, new absolutely the newest uh, red. It's camera. a still camera, is it not? I don't know. Let's find out. Now let's get his microphone on. I'm sorry. What's your name? I didn't get your name. Uh, it's Mike Seymour. Oh, hi, Mike. How are you? Good, Good. to see you. And, and Mike Seymour is an old friend of mine, just to kind of set people up. But Mike, Mike is uh, the founder of uh, FX PhD and FX Guide, 
and uh, they do inc they're an incredible training resource uh, for visual effects and film production um, they are uh, a lot of our mem a lot of Pixcore members are also members of FX PhD and uh, they've been on the cutting edge of red production since it, since it, since the beginning actually uh, I'm uh, friends with Bobby Llewellyn because I worked on Red Dwarf love Bobby yep so I was that's the great what did you your visual effects at Red Dwarf I was visual effects supervisor on the last series and uh, second unit director that's exciting so yeah and, uh, and, of course, they just did a... You're talking about the one that they just did? The, or the one the 10 special? years ago? No, the special that happened That's uh, fantastic. about a year ago. We shot it on the previous version. That was why I mention it. Uh, we shot it on the red one, which Alex has shot with. And it's about this big. And if I pass this down, it's really heavy. Yeah, do pass that down, would you? <laughs> okay. Now, if, if Alex runs <laughs> off the stage, I have people standing by to go. Don't worry about it, Alex. I've been looking. I was looking. So, I, can, I can hop that. So remember, you have to give it back. Yeah, no, I'll give it back. So, Mike, is this a, a video camera? That is, that is shooting IMAX. So, you are shooting 5K. IMAX video? Yeah. IMAX. Now, when I say IMAX, is I it mean... Is a square uh, aspect ratio? No, sir. If you think of 1920x1080 as good old HD, right. this old thing's like HD. a quarter of that resolution. And only that, it can shoot 120 frames a second. Wait a minute, it's a quarter of the resolution or four Eight? times the rate? No, HD is this tiny little dot this is this stamp. is 4K. Uh, yeah. yeah, that so one's 5K. 5K. So 5K at 120 frames a second. And I know you like photography. I do. The other thing that's amazing about this camera, and uh, I know Alex has done this, is it shoots high dynamic range. So it literally shoots as... <laughs> how, how many stops? Well, I've got some clips to show you if you want to see. But while we're doing that, I'll also point out, if I can pass that down, that uh, we have... We attach a Teradex to the end of it oh, so we can broadcast It is live. heavy. This is what, about Look eight at pounds, nine pounds? Yeah. Look at so that. We're, we're watching this video stream live on the iPad sh being shot from that camera. Actually, we, we don't have it. I'm holding it. It's not connected to that camera right this oh, second. Oh, I we see, have another okay. camera right here. You're using the red remote. Oh, I see. You've got a remote no, over there. No, we just I run gotcha. out. So we're literally, Look, there I to am. confuse two technologies, we, gotcha. we run out of that camera at little old 1920 by 1080 live. So the director, like... Yourself could hold the iPad and see what's being shot. So this is a video tap, basically. Of, of yep, from that and one uh, right wirelessly. There. And so we do a lot of that kind of stuff and uh, have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> but, uh, and that's 1080p. Now, of course, it's not on the iPad, but it would be just, 1080p. That is, would be 1080p, yeah. uh, which is a great little thing to look at to check your image. How big is the sensor in that? Uh, it's pretty big. It's a little smaller than the 5D, but we're in the zone of the 5D. Uh, so I think of it looking much like a 5D but shooting uh, completely extraordinary imagery. And I don't know, can we play any clips, Leo? Is that all right? We've got a couple of really short little clips we shot in New Zealand. Uh, let me ask, They're all do loaded we have those clips lined up? All right, here you go. Oh, oh. I don't know how this looks uh, at home on the stream, but let me tell you. Is this HD? This is, looks this, like HDR. We've, we've gone down to HD. But yes, these are HDR images yeah. uh, shot by Stu Mashowitz, who used to work with Stu. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a helicopter shot over New Zealand. I just thought I'd bring these down because I know how much you like photography. And it's also one thing to look at a camera, but it's another thing look to look at what a camera does. The footage exactly. Is, yeah, exactly right. It's like and comparing uh, the oven to the muffins. And so, <laughs> so it's small and lightweight, and yet it's shooting uh, this incredibly high frame rate and incredibly high footage. What is um, the frame rate? 60? No, it can be 120 frames a second in at and, 5K. Uh, at 5K, <laughs> and so to give you an idea about that, uh, if you were oh my god, this is uh, shooting out of a helicopter. This is the uh, chopper pilot from Lord of the Rings, and uh, and we actually went quiet here, Leo. The way you would go quiet if somebody was operating, doing brain surgery on your best friend, like no one say a word in case he gets distracted and doesn't notice. Yeah, because you're a few feet of over the uh, water yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, this is all slow mo, uh, so you can 
shooting slow-mo is great. It's, um, it's terrific. So we had a lot of fun. So if you shoot at 120 frames and you just show it at 60, you're going to... Uh, well, we'd show it at normally 24 because we do a lot of film work. Right. So that means that... Uh, Look at this. That's HDR, obviously. Yep. That's just incredible. And uh, this is oh, my goodness. so small, Alex. We put this on a uh, cine slider, just a little yep. SLR slider to do this shot. And, uh, you know, small well, And the size is just amazing. Did, I mean, is there any oh, post-processing yeah. in this, or this is right oh, yes, out of the sir. camera? No, this is absolutely. This is heavy-duty post-processing. Okay. Because, uh, you know, you're dealing with really high core. It's not designed for somebody that wants to do um, point-and-shoot type stuff. It really is designed for professional. Of course. But, you know, this is the trade show to be uh, showing that kind of stuff out. Mm -hmm. Now, let me, let me ask. Uh, Red's always been very modular. So, so there are different modules in this, right? Yeah, literally, uh, Alex could, uh, well, I hope he doesn't. Disassemble it. Yeah, <laughs> disassemble it in front right. of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. would just pop off the side. <laughs> yes. um, that so this, this, all, this here just pops right off. The, the grips. Let me uh, turn. This grip here yep. comes yep. off. Yep. Of course, the handle up here uh, pops off. The, and you buy what you need. Separate. You buy the sensor, you buy the lens, you buy the grip, you buy what you need. Absolutely. And we've put really big lenses on there, like a uh, Master Prime 1.2, which is, you know, a... $50,000 lens, but it just screams out for little lenses so that you can be handheld with it. Yeah. It just loves that. And all of the user interface is up on the screen there at the top. So. It's interesting because one of the reasons people tell me they're using DSLRs for filming is because it's compact. You can get in an elevator with somebody, but this is as compact. Well, we were, we were walking around the strip filming Indian Elvis impersonators. Uh, anyone don't know why that was. But, uh, <laughs> and we went up the top of uh, the Eiffel Tower here at uh, Vegas and shot out to... Uh, out to the thing and it was all great because no one stopped us no one said oh film crew you can't come in here right you don't look like a film so you look kind of just like well, you better and it's also a big, a big deal for 3d because one of the problems you get into is the only way to really do high quality 3d at the moment is still a beam splitter so you're gonna right. put two, two cameras, cameras you're going through a beam split and the bigger the cameras the bigger the beam splitter the bigger right. everything the has bigger to be the, the harder it is to deal right. with yeah and these cameras just i've seen a couple of them on some beam splitters and they just they just pop right on. It's just it's much more compact and we, much more doable. What we, is the, what is was the rough price range we're talking about? I know price is silly to talk about here. No, no, it's a, it's a good question because literally the Hobbit uh, is shooting it uh, in and Spider Man, so they're buying a lot of them. Uh, at the moment, these are the custom hand built ones, so you don't get much change from sixty grand. Uh, the next ones that are coming out in a few weeks. That's are, remarkable. Are the production line ones? They're more like about thirty. That's really of, remarkable. They're, they're, they're really coming out. So the the, the body. Don't quote me, Alex. I, I, let's just. I got say I got Ted on tomorrow. Friends, we'll we'll don't, uh, yeah. Don't yeah. But no. Well, you know, they after the show. Um, obviously, they were similarly struck as many people have been here at the show by the uh, tragedy in Japan. Yeah. So notwithstanding that, I don't have any inside knowledge on the exact date. But we spoke to Ted yesterday and. Uh, you know, they're absolutely moving ahead with those. Uh, not, they're not the cheaper versions. They're the, the production line versions that are not As handmade. a filmmaker, this just must blow you away, the uh, capability here. Yeah. We, we shot stereo in uh, Sydney, and we shot them with a you know, small little rig. But we also just stuck two of them on a side-by-side -side rig. And we had handheld stereo in 5K, and it just blew my mind. I was like... Uh, what, what's, what stereo rig were you using for them? Uh, we've shot with the ET rigs. Um, and we've shot other cameras. We've shot the Alexa, and we love that. We've shot Sony. We've shot the red ones. But this is the smallest rig we've used. That is one of the things that's interesting, is Sony and others are saying, hey, we want to get in this space. We've got the F3. I mean, we're seeing 4K cameras from every big manufacturer. Of course, red just went one... One more. Ours it goes to one five. better. <laughs> well, Sony just announced the F65, which is an 8K camera. That's right. Wow. 8K that outputs to 4K. 
I mean, it's 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 super sampling that that, that down. And it's a much, but but again, when you're talking about size and stereo and everything else, the other thing you have to remember is that that sure that's a it, it's also we don't know what the price is. They didn't tell us. No, they the didn't. price is this. Remember, this is we're talking thirty thousand to sixty thousand. Uh, and that, that one that one uh, is going to my guess, knowing what their other cameras cost, the Sony will be between one hundred fifty thousand and two hundred fifty thousand. And it's a heck of a lot bigger than that thing too. It's it's like four of these would still fit inside. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm seeing is it's that a very high quality camera. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for certain but what Red's done is it suddenly opened the floodgates to higher resolutions in a way that hasn't happened before. It's is that uh, we thought two K would be the stop, and now it's four K, and now five K, and eight K. Well, and, and no matter what you think of whether you have a Red or not. When you look at the AF100, when you look at the FS100, when you look at the F3, those wouldn't exist if RED didn't exist. Oh, of course mm -hmm. not. You yeah, push we, the market. We Absolutely. love those smaller cameras. I mean, I bought a GoPro here at the show, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's right. horses for courses. But uh, when you enter a certain category of work, like uh, the Hobbit or something, I mean, this is the camera right now. It's the hottest thing. And there are very few of them here uh, because, you know, they've been rolling them out. But having said that, they are out there. We're shooting with them. We're having a ball. We're just doing great work. It's Mike, just why fun. why 5K? It seems like 4 makes sense. It's a multiple of, uh, you know, the HD resolution. Why 5? Okay, so I, I'm going to say this as a Mike Seymour comment, not as a red comment. Yep. But I think they got so annoyed at people nitpicking the 4K <laughs> that they said, because okay. the 4K, you could argue, is a 3.2K resolution on test charts. And I'm like, who cares about the test charts? But anyway, I think they went 5K, so they can say, okay, it's... If you want to argue with me about five, you, you'll have to agree it's four, mm. and then shut up and go away. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I think honestly, apart from the reframing capabilities, which are enormous, um, and the when, fact when you say reframing, it means you have extra. You, you could crop you extra it. Room. Effect, yeah. Effect yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we uh, were uh, up at uh, your old hunting ground at ILM, and we were shooting an interview, and uh, we had two things that were extraordinary. We had a two shot of me in it, obviously. We happened to have an epic lying around, so we thought, well, we'll use that for an interview. Absurdly stupid thing to do, but there you go. And uh, we could just <laughs> cut in full HD on either of the two people talking. Right. But we had them standing, as you know, at the Presidio in front of the Golden Gate Bridge. So they're standing there, fully normally exposed. And on the normal viewfinder, it would be just white in the windows, as you'd know from any photography. We completely restored a gorgeous panorama of the oh, Golden Gate wow. Bridge out the window in the same shot. Oh, wow. So I think we can get transfixed on the 5K or the and the frame rates are great, but this high dynamic range on moving footage is just. And we've talked about that being the, the holy grail, you yeah, know. Absolutely. And now, do you give anything up when you when you set it to the high? Is there a reason well, to not uh, shoot it all? Other the time? than money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it, it is literally, uh, and I'm not going to get too technical, but it literally um, halves your effective frame rate. So I'm shooting at 120; it would go down to 60 because it's having to store a lot more data to the SSD, which is mm -hmm. at the side there. But those SSDs at the side, you know, will shoot like 40 minutes of material. I was going to say, that's 128 gig SSD, that's 40 minutes? About that. Yeah, it depends wow. what we're doing with, you know, that's there's a lot of bit. variables I can play with. But we were in the chopper and we would, had it on a gyro and we would just bring it in and someone would pop the mag, put a new one in and go again. Uh, it was awesome. And of course, we were doing that because uh, we were shooting for our um, online training stuff, as Alex mentioned before. So. It was great having Stu down there, and I'd like to say that I just hire helicopters all the time and do this for fun, <laughs> but it was, all, uh, it was all in an educational good, uh, good intent. Let's show just a little bit more of that uh, video. I just want to want people to see it, and I want to thank We have Mike. a few other clips you can Oh, yeah, on. we have some other clips? Okay, I want to thank Mike. This is the original one. Do you have another one that you could show, uh, There's Alex? quite a few. Alex, pick a different one, because we've already seen this one. I mean, not that I don't mind seeing it again. It's just stunning. And that's slow motion also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, that little girl was just uh, there, and we were setting up on a slider, and uh, I saw, 
you know when you work with people pretty well, like I knew Stu, and I was like, just whispered really quietly, girl coming around the corner in about three seconds, and, uh, and there it happened. Hey, I'm, I can show you something else here, because I've got it. Sure. This uh, is my friend Jason Wingrove. Hey, He's Jason. He's actually absurd person to have working a camera, because he's an, ex an absolutely brilliant director, but he's just a good friend and humble. And uh, if I just pass this down to you, this is him shooting 120 frames in Sydney uh, on... Um, on uh, Larry's not going to give it up. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah. I know what I'm happens once you hold from him. Yeah, and we're, lo we're looking at <laughs> it in, in slow-mo, and you can really... You know, Leo, if you could see this, it looks really good. <laughs> yeah, I really wish you could see this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> Wow. I, yeah, I mean, and, uh, and the, uh, the depth of field on this is amazing. I've got oh, one yeah. more thing that's really going to um, upset you. At least it will upset anyone that uh, is thinking about, well, should I spend the money or not? That has a, a piece of nice peel glass on the front, which means professional glass. They, and I played with it, have a cannon mount. Take your L-series glass and put it on the front. And oh, I'm telling you, it's man. like, you know, my wife heard that and she was literally cutting up my credit cards. She was like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one or two L-series lenses I might want to try with that. That's uh, amazing. And of course, the Canon make really, really good glass. Right. And the 5D's got a big chip, so yep. it works really well. So, and I've got to tell you, when you, when you have that on there, you just, and I, I you know, I don't sound like a snob, but I was like, I, ne I just, I've had my 5D here. In Vegas, every time I go out, I throw that in my satchel. Why I wouldn't you? I haven't taken it out of the room. <laughs> I've not taken the 5D out of the room. And I love that 5D. I used to love that 5D. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, used to love you 5D. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're so fickle, so, really. Uh, uh, there is a, Alex, there is a trickle down to this at some point. I mean, 30000 is too much. It's actually an amazingly low price. But uh, at some point, do these technologies eventually well, they're all come making to us their way down. Scarlet and Epic? Uh, well, and, 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 and Mike, do, do we... And, and, and that's something that I think we can we can have some discussions tomorrow morning. I think we're going to have Ted on here. We're going to push him on a little, a little bit on that. But do, do, have they made any announcements about the smaller cameras? Yeah, absolutely. We were shooting yesterday with Scarlett, which is the younger brother of that one, or younger sister, not to be sexist. Um, <laughs> and so that's a smaller camera. That, in that particular case, has a two-thirds inch sensor, so it's smaller, and the Scarlett is cheaper. And uh, Did they set a price on the Scarlett? I don't know I can say the price on the Scarlett. It has a fixed lens, but ask Ted tomorrow. Beat him up by all means, yeah. especially because it's Ted and he's fun to beat up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's, uh, it's great. And now that is, of course, still a bit pricey for many people. But Show more, Alex. Just keep showing clips. Uh, yeah, because I just, these are, this is just. That's, uh, that's off my yacht in Sydney. And uh, we're <laughs> shooting that with. Uh, Look with at the night guy. shot. Oh, yeah. my God. This is uh, time lapse over New Zealand. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff. And of course, what you're seeing here is, you know, obviously compressed to put it on a memory card. But right. how cool that you can just do this stuff. And how great that it gives a lot of filmmakers the ability to compete in a completely, you know, unrestricted way. Well, and, and, and it's not just filmmakers who own it. When you have a, a, a camera that, that's $30,000, it changes all the rental prices as well. So that's it true. means that you can, you know, right. your weekly rentals are going to be much lower. So you can actually choose to shoot something that's at 4K or 5K uh, without having to, you know, give that up. I don't know if we can play that shot of the car again. Go back um, to that if you, if can, you can. play the Alex. car. And the reason I want to put the car shot on here is that... Uh, the one we just saw with the car, I actually shot pretty much at night. And you'll tell that because the headlights run on my car. So that's the high dynamic range. That's oh, pretty much wow. at night. Mm. And, uh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. So and, and are I, you I say I shot it. I was driving. Stu was filming. This is a pretty <laughs> wide lens. Is this that, that lens? or? What yeah, that's actually an 11 to 16 uh, converted lens. It's called a Duclos. So some guys uh, in uh, LA, they buy stills lenses, convert them to PL glass. And I love that glass. And it's, it's 3,500, which is a lot for a SLR but nothing in comparison to what sure. you pay for it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it, you know, 
What so. is the difference in dynamic range between high high dynamic range and regular dynamic range? Great question. Um, obviously, in the stills world, you tend to do a lot of bracketing, um, and the way this works uh, is pretty simple, actually, but uh, very effective. It it would give you, and you press it on the on the screen there, either three, four, five, or six stops extra latitude. So mm. let's say I expose for. Leo now and behind him was a window, I would literally just dial in, say, and, and change my exposure down by six stops and go, that looks nice. Out the window looks great. Leo is now completely silhouetted, but the window looks good. Right. And I say, that's what I want. Then I hit that button and then it's going to grab Leo at normal exposure and grab the windows at six stops difference and combine them. Wow. And so that's, uh, that's some boat shots. Just keep showing clips, Alex. We don't. You don't need to see us. We just want to see this. This is. We were hunting for a, a reflection pool like this, so this has been nicknamed my uh, my pool. Um, but this is yeah, very low flying around some rocks, uh, just to get that reflection of the water. And again, at the end of the day, low light normally would be an NG take because uh, you couldn't see anything. Um, sun had sort of gone down. You know that magic hour just after the sun sets. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a little dark on this grade because we we're trying to play for the reflection, but huge amounts of grading latitude to be able to get really, really gorgeous footage. And so that high dynamic range uh, gives us that latitude and I find that to be one of the most impressive aspects of the camera. I know some people would be really keen at getting that super slow-mo stuff and mm -hmm. if you drop your resolution down to something like 3K, you can go up to like 250 frames a second. But wow. for me, it's just having a lot of exposure and I, I don't know if you're the same as me, guys, but do you guys actually like Tone mapped HDR shots because I think they look ugly. Yeah, they're, mm. well, they're weird looking. They're this weird looking. Look yeah. at this. And does this stuff look like it's. It's very natural. It doesn't look like it's tone mapped. It yeah. doesn't look like that no, horrible kind of it's weird not, thing. It's not, yeah. and, uh, and that's down to the red guys who've just come up with some really great code to do it. And uh, as you can see here, we get a lot of exposure latitude. And then, of course, it's great if you're in a chopper or some situation and you can be feeding it out to the guys sitting around you with with a video split and uh, it's all wireless and it works really well. Look so at that. Oh, we've we've just started testing the, uh, playing with the Teradek. The, this little, the little wireless Teradek piece is great. that we have there. And it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and I just think it looks natural. And that's the thing. My wife, I showed her this shot, which we called the impossible shot. It was coming out of like a, a you know, tunnel and out into the daylight. And uh, <laughs> so we showed the shot and she was just like, what am I looking at? And I'm like, don't you see? Like it's pitch black in the tunnel and it's outside and the clouds. And she's like, <laughs> It Isn't that what, what it looks like? $60,000 so I can Look, do this can see shot. see the blade of the helicopter at the top of that shot. Yeah. That's on an 8R lens, which is a, a rectilinear 8mm lens. And oh it costs more than my life. That <laughs> is stunning. And, and yeah. Look but at that water. We're going to wow. see more beautiful movies than ever before, obviously. This is I hope good. so. I yeah. mean, this is New Zealand. This is where they're going to shoot The so Hobbit. So gorgeous. So I'm not saying that I can match The Hobbit. Obviously not. That's great. But... This is the kind of scenery that they're going to be able to uh, hit with that film. So, wow. and, oh. uh, and, and they're, they're shooting that with a red. And I believe they're shooting. You might know this, Alex. At 48 frames a second, so yes. they're actually going to the have it not so that you watch it at normal 24, but you watch it without motion artifacts by having everything shot at 48. So, uh, just gorgeous. See who needs three. When, when is principal <laughs> photography start? You know when? Started. It has already started. And uh, you know these guys are here, obviously, at the show, and uh, they're pretty funky guys. When you they got a, somebody being live tattooed on the booth. I don't know if you've seen this. I mean, actually, really tattooed. In 5K, like you can, or a 4K. There, like. are, there are three cameras around, and you can happily film someone getting their, their body permanently marked uh, by ink. I was wondering if, if when, when they said that, I was wondering, do they, are they only putting red? I can see people red like ink, having yeah. like little red tattoos. Well, I know we don't like to talk about stuff that's too uh, out there, but they're 
they're, they're doing that to promote the next generation ship after this, which is the Dragon. And so they're tattooing these dragons on these poor girls. As a father, I'm mortified. I'm like, does your mother know that that's happening, lady? But anyway. Um, <laughs> Who's this animal? I want to go see. It's the red. It's the red. red right that's down. a really interesting thing to have at your booth, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I'm, really. I'm, I'm going to have a new product. And by the way, I'm going to, for the rest of your life, put my logo on your back. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I would have loved to have heard the pitch for that. But yeah, yeah. they're great guys and uh, very supportive of everything we've been doing. And I've got to tell you, they're really, uh, they're at that bleeding edge where you know some days uh this is you stuff you shot just uh, last night this is yeah this is literally stuff out on the strip and uh we were shooting at the bellagio yeah and it's great you know and no one stops you no one worries about stuff oh. and yet uh you can imagine this is oh, actually from the top awesome of, images oh again this is uh hdr stuff from the the thing uh, is that's what it looks like when you're there exactly isn't that it and it doesn't look it doesn't look like it's hdr does no it's it just um, what it looks like it's duplicating this your human yeah, and so what we're trying to do at PhD is we try oh. and explain how this stuff works so that people are really well informed when they go on set because what we don't want to have is people either shooting stuff and they're not quite understanding what's going on or getting trapped that they don't understand the post-production process. So we have a really good group of people that are teaching the intricacies of that. And we work very closely with Adobe and the Foundry and a lot of the companies that are here to go through that workflow. and. We unashamedly kind of go for that high end because we want to tackle the really complicated stuff and kind of explain the algorithms. Mm. So it is a bit of a geek fest. Look at the but, poker. Um, <laughs> That's great. It, do you, do you, Mike, do you put the, any of these videos online? Is there anywhere we can go to see uh, this? Uh? Absolutely. We have, uh, we have two sites. We have FX Guide, which we started in 99, uh, which basically covers the industry. It's free. And uh, so that's uh, got... For example, a, uh, actually, Scott Bourne in the early days helped us, uh, oh, giving neat. us some advice. Tell oh, me, neat. never drink milk before I go on a podcast. Um, <laughs> That's anyway, good advice. Anyway, <laughs> so Scott uh, gave us some advice. Alex gave us some advice. But we started doing uh, audio podcasts and video. And the video podcast, we've got one here from the show already. Last week's one was from New Zealand. So it has all this footage in it at fxguide.com. Uh, and that's called FX Guide TV. And then our training stuff, the professional training stuff that was the Red Dwarf stuff, for example. That's all at fxphd.com, just That's to do great. the plug. Thank you, Mike Seymour, for stopping by. Really great to see you. Boy. And, and uh, we'll see. We'll see you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go over. <laughs> I have to say, the, the, the last year, uh, it's the, uh, the uh, Scarlet was the, the item of the year for me. This year, that. Boy, that is amazing. 5K. Just unbelievable. Just feels good, <laughs> but I am going to hand it back to you. You know, you know, we, it would only be half if we split one. Yeah, well, yes, you know, no, it would be very nice I'll in the studio. Aren't you building a new studio? Yeah, a year from now, I absolutely see us having stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the reasons we don't want to spend a lot of money on cameras in the new studio is because we know that all of this stuff. Why would I buy a camera now? I spend money on a camera now when in five years I'll be getting a camera of that quality in the studio. Of course, we won't be doing 5K streams, but... <laughs> but we could if we wanted to. We could if we wanted to. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Mike, for stopping by. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. it. FXPhD and FXGuide.com if you want to know more and to see some of that. Boy, that stuff is just gorgeous. It makes, it makes you want to be a filmmaker, doesn't it? Absolutely. Unbelievable. Wow. So we're going to get ready for Windows Weekly. Um, is that right, Eileen? Is Paul here yet? Eileen, did Paul show up? She's getting his. Uh, she's, she's taking it. She's she's Instagramming this. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt it. <laughs> is, pa is Paul here? Is Paul here yet? Okay, so we'll keep talking. Uh, Jibber jabbering about. Uh, well, I think Final Cut. We didn't really uh, say everything. Although now I should say that uh, 
You said Ted from uh, from Red will be on well, I, I this think week in media. Have, I think we're, tr- we're scheduling tomorrow. Him for tomorrow. We're hoping to have him on tomorrow. And what time will this week in media be on? Uh, oh no, uh, well, this week in media is going to be two o'clock this afternoon, and here. that'll be streaming. That'll be here. But streaming from your but streaming stream. from pickscorecom live. Okay. And, and, and I know Larry will be on it as well. So that's when they're going to get hardcore. If you really want the hardcore, what's no, going no, on? No, no, no. We're not phone. going hardcore. Alex won't allow us to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're simply talking about technology. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, what else? Let's talk some more about the, the final cuts. Just for those of you who are tuning in, we're going to, yeah, as soon as Paul Thorock gets here, we will go to, uh, I think he just got here. Is that him? No. He's not here yet. We will go to uh, Windows Weekly. Paul is, uh, of course, in Vegas, not for the National Association of Broadcasters show like us. He's here for Mix, which is uh, Microsoft's kind of web conference. So he'll have a lot to say about that. Uh, and we will go to Windows Weekly. Those of you tuning in, uh, it is it is past Windows Weekly time, but we will go to that soon. But uh, the big story, really, at NAB for a lot of us was last night at the uh, Final Cut Super Meet, the big user group, 1,700 people. Uh, there and as Larry's blog says, the sound of 1,700 jaws dropping. There was a lot of excitement. I think that, well, I think there was a, there was a certain release because I think many people were there was very there was real concerned going yeah. into the meeting. So you can see people they were some people were excited, a lot of people were scared that they're gonna they're gonna ruin our, our application that we spend all our days on, right. um, and uh, and so I think that there was a certain energy that there was a release that people were excited that that it is it hasn't become a consumer app it hasn't been dumbed down. It's only been made better and, and more powerful. And, and I think that when people saw some of the features, and you could see that they, Apple had really thought it out. Uh, and I think the open bar had a great deal to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Here. Open bar? I had to pay for those drinks. Eat these peanuts because you're about to travel to light speed. Yeah, but I, I think it, it, it But, but I think great. Alex is right, is that there was, I mean, this is a, an application that people make their livings on. And you don't want to mess with something that you make your living on. And so there's a lot of concern about, is my living suddenly in jeopardy? So unlike uh, an application where it's nice if it works and you can survive if it doesn't, this is a life or death application for a lot of people. Right. And businesses, not just uh, the people that use it, but people that supply plugins for it, have a vested interest in making sure their plugins work because there's an entire ecosystem that supports Final Cut. Right, right. And so there was a lot of concern because how badly is it, how, how much is it changing? How much do I have to spend, not just in training, but in, uh, update, in updating all my hardware and all of my software to get it to work? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, Alex was exactly right. There was a huge stress level in that meeting last night. Yeah, and, and it's going to be, uh, it's still going to be interesting. I think that as uh, for the high-end editors, I think it's going to be very stressful, uh, you know, in that process. But I think that the vast majority, the 90, 95% of the users, this is going to be a big, a big Well, change. and it opens up a giant market for Apple uh, that is kind of unserved. There is, there hasn't really been something in between. Well, there has been, but there's been nothing with, uh, uh, Apple did a couple of things. They announced that their market share right now, they had over 200 million, sorry, they had 2 million, I'll get the number right, 2 million registered users. Right. They have a 56% market share, and Avid and Apple are battling at around the 18 to Avid and Adobe. My fault, Avid and Adobe. Yeah. We're battling around 18% each, so they're clearly a dominant market leader as right. they define the study. They worked very hard at cleaning up errors like background processing to speed up the application, taking off memory restrictions, supporting real-time processing of video so that a lot of the stuff that drives people nuts of sitting around waiting for the computer to calculate, all that is gone. So I think they've, they've done a good job of addressing the biggest complaints in the application. That was but always one of the things that was cool about uh, uh, Avid was real-time rendering. When it, when it, when it worked. It worked. Yeah. yeah, so, so that's something editors do want. Oh, well, you again, the uh, I op- I often say that twenty percent of of any 
production, and when you're doing it, working on a project, 20% is skill. Right. 40% is knowing what's good and bad, right. and 40% is how many times are you going to get to see it before you have to give it up. Right. And so when you, when you make it more efficient, uh, when you make it easier to see it over and over and over again and, and keep on being able to make those decisions, uh, that is going to make a, um, a huge difference in the final quality. Speed of iteration. Speed of iteration is, is massive. Yeah. You know? That's one of the things that Apple did with Motion. When Motion first came out, their big, their big right. play real about time. why Motion and not After Effects is right. with Motion. You could see it all in real time. Right. Right. And you could then make creative decisions without waiting for it to render. Which is a, a clear differentiation between the other software that was out there. Because Motion was written on a more modern engine. No, absolutely. And, and, and now you have something that's been completely rewritten and completely sits on, you know, and I think that it's going to allow them to grow for the next decade before they have to do it again. You know, and uh, uh, no, the, uh, the current Final Cut didn't. Yesterday we were talking about the fact that a lot of people on the Final Cut team had left or was, were reassigned. Who wrote this? Who is the? Is it a new well, team? Well, this, this has been worked on for the last oh, couple of years. Oh, I mean, they've been working on this for probably three years. Right. And Apple will never answer that question because right. they don't give engineers specific credit for the show. But I will say this: I have seen the same engineers working on this version of Final Cut as I saw engineers in the past. So the key leaders of the team still there. are still there and haven't changed. Okay. But they've brought people in. There was a huge amount of work that needed to be done just to transfer the code from the old code base to the new code base, like a conversion process. Right. And that's simply a, 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 a man against the machine kind of thing where right. you bring in a bunch of part-timers, they fix the code so it's converted right. and they can go off and do other stuff. Right. Right. A lot of the transitions that we saw were people assigned for the conversion but not necessarily the creation of the new applications. So there's no leader, there's no guy. Oh, no, no, that's totally not true. We saw Randy Ublos, which is the key uh, He's chief the guy who did the demo. He did the demo. He's the chief architect. So I, I was sitting next to the VP of engineering for Apple, and I asked him, is he in engineering? They said, all architects are in engineering. Right. And we saw Steve, who was also the architect for Final Cut Pro. So Ublos is looking at all the video applications, and Steve, whose last name I'm blanking on, uh, did the presentation for Final Cut. So it's absolutely got team leads who are, who are controlling the destiny of the show. Well, right. and, and Randy has been in this since forever. the beginning. I mean, he was in the Premiere team, I believe, yes. and then he was in the, he was the in the original Final Cut team, and then he moved to revolutionize what they were doing with iMovie, and now he's, you know, the, he's been part of that, that that entire thought process. And I know some of the engineers that are working at, at with, within the process of building the application, and they've been there for five, ten years. So yeah. it is not as though it's a it's a complete revolving door. They've had consistency of development, but you think about it. When you want to have a group of people come to a consensus on how a new interface looks, it's going to take a while to get everybody to agree or to agree that they're going to disagree, but they're going to move in this direction. Because this is, this is like I've got a blank piece of paper, how you want to redefine define this. I mean, and this has been the first big jump in an editing interface for... Uh, 20 years? <laughs> that would say, you know, EMC started it, and then Avid came in and made it popular. And but then, then we haven't really had anything new. I no. mean, it's all been pretty much the same after that. I mean, it's been two windows, and you kind of go back and forth, and you have some tracks, and you have... I mean, so, it, I mean, it, it really hasn't changed at all, in my opinion. Um, and, and this is the first time we've really seen, okay, we're going to throw that out, take the parts that we like, and put them all back in, you know... It makes sense. New, it really makes box. sense. It's and if you think about it, it, the only company that can do it is Apple. Exactly. Yeah, the only company with the guts to do it, because that is a bold thing to do, is to, you know, potentially piss off your entire user base by making such a massive uh, 
change. By the way, it's using the GPU, which is also for the uh, for the real time rendering, which is also it, significant. We have such fast processors now in I the mean, graphics. You now you now have five hundred dollar cards that have like two gigabytes right. of uh, video RAM. It's right. Just, it's right. So that that makes a lot of sense. You've got multi core processors. You've got intensely powerful GPUs. And you this, could, I have this to redesign say. also takes advantage of the advances hardware has made in the last four years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have to admit that Final Cut was really starting to feel like a pig. You know, to me. I mean, it yeah. was like, you know, it, it, yeah. you know like it, it was good, but it was like slow, and it was, you know, it's like interesting. It was constantly up against it. And I'm like, okay, I can get it done. I'm not going to switch up yet. Un up until I saw the new version, which was in February, I thought, you know, Final Cut, I can get used to it. It looks really good. Now I look at the old version. I look at the new version. I say, boy, how yesterday the old version was. Yeah. It's yeah. just amazing how dated it suddenly it does, feels. It does Apple almost. is so good at that. It's like, yes. I loved my iPhone 3 until the iPhone 4 came out, and now I look at the iPhone. My, my, I have my iPhone 3, like, sitting around streaming at my house or whatever, and I'm just, I look <laughs> at it like what a quaint little device you know but it was perfect until the day the iPhone 4 came out it's yeah, we're talking we to Larry that? Jordan and Alex Lindsay about the new Final Cut Pro 10 we yeah. now can say it is officially 10 as Larry told me it was you are so good at that <laughs> so good oh. and uh, and uh, Windows Weekly will begin in just a bit Paul Therott is in a cab he's on his way before we get to that though I do want to thank our friends at Squarespace you know it's very expensive to come here and do this show uh, we, we bring a large staff here uh, Big booth. We got a lot of setup going on, uh, and if it weren't for our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to do it. So, uh, a tip of the hat to Squarespace, a great company with great guys who really have uh, supported Twit for the last couple of years. If you are looking for a place to put your next website, or perhaps uh, you have family and friends uh, and you uh, want to get them online, why don't you give it a try at squarespace.com/twit. Click that big Try It Free button. You get the full Squarespace for 14 days. You don't need a credit card or anything. Just think, think of a name for your site and give it a password, and you're going. You have all those great designer templates, 60-plus styles to start with. But then with sliders, drag and drop, point and click, you can modify it to look exactly as you want it. You don't need to know CSS or JavaScript or even HTML to do it. If you know all of those technologies, you can absolutely use them. So with CSS, you can make the site look like anything. Uh, including your existing site. And, of course, they've got these great importers and exporters for all the blog, major blog APIs, movable type, WordPress, TypePad, and Blogger. So it's very easy to create a site. I, be I bet you, you know, within the next half hour, you could go there, create a site, import everything, including all your images, all the links will work, all the comments will be imported, and really see what that new Squarespace site would look like. Always secure because the updates are handled by Squarespace and a great server as well. We don't, we don't, we don't kind of downplay that. You know, it's the hosting plus the software, but frankly, uh, it's the best serving out there. They use very sophisticated Java-based uh, virtual servers to make sure that there's always enough bandwidth. That's what uh, got me from doing my own blog for a long time. I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with the installation on the server. Exactly. I don't want to deal with the server at all. I, I you know, and, and the fact that I could just go up to Squarespace and design it and lay it all out and drop a couple, have a couple droplets and everything else. The time, times have come, you know, I have to say, uh, for a long time I thought, well, I have to do it all myself. I have to learn Linux and Apache and MySQL. I have to learn PHP. I have to use PHP MyAdmin. I have to, I have to get good at all of that stuff because that's what it means to have a website. I think, fortunately, those times are long gone. And now, really, what it means to have a website is to create great content and for the technology to get out of the way. And that's what Squarespace does. It gets out of your way and gives you what you want. Try it free for 14 days right now. Squarespace.com slash twit. If you decide to buy, it's as low as $12 a month. And uh, for family or friends, for people, you know, we all have family and friends who think, oh, no, I have a, a web page. I have Facebook. Tell them. 
please, that you don't have a page unless you have a page. Get your own webpage at squarespace.com slash twit. Uh, Scott, you're taking off for us? I, I got to go for now. I got an interview uh, that's uh, about a half an hour late, but that's all right. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm It was worth it for that red, wasn't oh, it? Oh, man, that red was so <laughs> Oh, my cool. God, that was incredible. Oh, my God. No, it was definitely worth it to, to yeah. stay and learn more about that. To see the future that. of filmmaking. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Just a revolution. You know, so for so long... Uh, filmmakers deprecated digital filmmaking. Oh, that's, you know, we got to <laughs> shoot will, on film. Ten years ago, we were shooting, we were trying to figure out how to take DV and, and up-res it to... So it looked decent. So that it looked okay right. on a big screen. Right, and now, right, right. now we have cameras that are a fraction of the price that no, we can... I've been, a, I've been a big proponent of digital cinema since it began, both in terms of capture and, and in projection. terms of projection. But now when you have a digital all through the chain... Oh, man. And with the high, high dynamic range... I want to go to an IMAX theater and see some of this 5K oh, video. man, that's going to look awesome. Mind-boggling. That's, Just to me, amazing. forget 3D. I want... <laughs> better, I by want the way, at the, red, at the red booth... They have a 4K projection. I've got to go over there. Oh, I well, I, I definitely have to go check that yeah. out as well. Well, you go right now because we're going to let I'm gonna you go. I'm going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Paul Thorat's here. We're going to get ready for Windows Weekly. Now, actually, I'm, I'm going to actually be here tomorrow You're for coming a little back. bit. I am coming Good. back tomorrow. I've got uh, a guest from Says Me. Um, says who? <laughs> says Me, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, a company that aggregates uh, over-the-air and streaming and cable all into one package. Uh, very interesting technology and something uh, that I had never heard of before. So I'm looking forward to talking with him at about 10.30 tomorrow morning. Fantastic. So we will continue our coverage tomorrow. Yep. I'll be gone, but we will continue our coverage tomorrow. I'm here till the bitter end. The bitter end. <laughs> we will continue through the rest of the day. This weekend, Google will take us back to the studio at 1 o'clock right after Windows Weekly. But I'm going to let uh, Larry, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for it's being here. <clears throat> Leo, it's been a delight. Thank you for the invitation. And Alex, it's wonderful talking about all this wonderful stuff. I'm going to see you this afternoon on, on This Week in Media as well. Yep. Yeah. And Larry's blog, uh, once again, is LarryJordan.biz. .biz slash blog. Slash blog. And uh, he has a review uh, and, uh, and first thoughts on the, the sound of 1,700 jaws dropping right there, including screenshots, beautiful big screenshots. Thank so you. you can see what it looks Thank like. You. LarryJordan.biz slash blog. And Leo, thank you again. And Larry does podcasts and training and all sorts I of stuff. I do. Digital Production Buzz is going to be doing what you're doing, going into the, the kind of depth that, that Alex and I love talking deep about, getting really into the stuff. geek. It's going to be great. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> thank you, Larry. Deep into deep the geek. Deep into the geek. Deep into the deep. And uh, we're going to let you go, too. I'm out of here. I'm going to be back again for, for uh, This Week in Media. This Week in Media at 2 o'clock on pixcore.com slash live. And then I'm back here tomorrow morning. Um, and well, also after after Twin, we're going to do a live. Um, we're going to be shooting some of our actual episodes, and so people get to see behind the scenes of us actually shooting. That's great. It's not the walkabout; it's us actually doing the, the episodes. And then, uh, and that'll go until about six. And then I'm going to go over to uh, Bob Hiles. Uh, the party. We're streaming uh, the party. Yes, I'll be yeah, there so too. I'm gonna go over. I don't think we're going to be streaming. I think we'll just, we'll just let us we'll, stream it. Yeah, we're going to let you stream <laughs> that. And then, uh, but I may let you host our stream because I have to get a plane date twenty. So I'm going to get over there around I'll be six. There too, so and I'll, you and Scott we can, be can over take there over with the, uh, yeah, the the drunks. And then tomorrow morning I'll be back here, uh, nine to nine to ten thirty, Fantastic. and we'll be talking hopefully with Ted. I think we're going to try to get him over here uh, in the morning. We'll talk about some of the newer technology, the Scarlet, oh. so on and so, so forth. So if you like so. that red stuff, come back. Yeah, so right. it should should be a lot of fun. Sounds great. Thank you guys. We really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun. We're going to get Paul Thorat in here and get ready for Windows uh, Weekly. We are live in Vegas at the NAB Show, the National Association of Broadcasters Show. We thank the folks at NAB for inviting us and making us their official internet streaming partner here. And so we've been really getting some great access to good people and uh, had a lot of fun. 
um, uh, just fantastic. I do want to say some thank, you, thank yous, if, if you don't mind. First of all, for this incredible sky booth that we've set up. Roger Ambrose did the design. Uh, Lin Fu and uh, Eileen Rivera got implemented it all. And, of course, Brent Bai did the amazing lighting and uh, camera. Brent and his partner, Hilton Goring, are doing our camera work today. We don't usually have camera operators. It's nice to have camera operators. There's the booth. Isn't that spectacular? Doesn't that look fantastic with the glowing lights and all of that? Wow. I just I have to say... Uh, well, well done to Brent By and Roger Ambrose. Roger is, of course, our creative director and the guy doing our new studio design. So if you like what that looks like, well, you see the uh, new studio. Also, thanks to Eileen Rivera, who's our producer here on the site. Uh, she's doing such a great job. Burke McQuinn and uh, Liz Romero, who drove the van and helped set up. And uh, there's a lot of work that gets uh, done here behind the scenes that makes this possible. We couldn't do it without them. Alex Gumpel, who's been switching the whole time. I don't know how you're still doing it, Alex. I don't know how you're not burned out by, uh, by all of that. But uh, he's, uh, he's been using that new TriCaster 850. Boy, we're really happy with that. The HD850 is uh, an amazing device. We uh, don't use it yet in our studio, but it is uh, slated for our new studio. So these great-looking lower thirds, this is just the beginning. The, there's motion graphics, there's audio and video in the lower thirds. They just, uh, TriCaster just uh, showed me, I was at the, uh, new t with, uh, out last night with the New Tech folks because uh, we did a, a panel called Broadcast Minds. By the way, that's on our Twit Specials feed if you want to see it, twit.tv slash specials with Adam Carolla and others. But uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Andrew Cross and the, uh, and the others at, uh, at New Tech and what they're doing now with the new TriCaster HD 850 Extreme Edition, which I'm really hoping we can get, is incredible. For instance, you know, they handle up to eight cameras. This is what a switcher does. Is it gives you all the cameras, and you switch from one to the other. That's what Alex is doing. He's pressing the buttons. We've got that great new control surface. It gives you all these features. The new extreme version uh, records all the cameras isolated all the time. So normally what we do is we take the show, and we've chopped it up as we're shooting it, and that's what you get is, the, is you know, we're editing as we, on the fly as we go. Uh, but now, if there's an error, uh, which happens a little bit, especially when I'm switching, or if there's something we missed, we can go back and we will have a recording of the output of every single camera available to us. A whole lot of new features, including incredible graphics, alpha channels, and all sorts of stuff that we can do. Uh, we never use a lot of the features of the TriCaster. Um, they have green screen capability that we don't use very often because I like real sets. But uh, this thing is just a power horse, a workhorse, and we're really happy to... Uh, have it. They lent it to us for our broadcast uh, this week. So thank you. Tip of the hat to New Tech. Also to Live View. Uh, if you're watching us now, you're watching via Live View. We're actually streaming back. Uh, our uplink to the studio uh, today is a Live View uh, over the 3G network. That's how good it is. When we go out in the field with a Live View backpack, we are wireless. We're able to cover uh, everything that's going on tonight when we're at the Bob Heil party. You'll be watching via Live View. It's an amazing product, so we thank you, Live View, for lending us. Actually, I think we pay for that, but we still thank you for, for making that possible. Um, who else should I thank? I think I got everybody. Thank, to our thank you to our, our sponsors as well, uh, Citrix, uh, Netflix, and Squarespace, Hover.com, all the folks who've, uh, who've uh, made it possible for us to be out here because it's, a, cause it's a, a big undertaking that we couldn't do without uh, help. And, of course, all of you at home watching, and I'm watching the chat room, and... It's really, really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. 